stage. Snap photos from the pit. Documented musical stories. Thrashed in the crowd. And raged from the back. We are South Sisters! Welcome to another episode of the Sound Sister Podcast. I'm your host, Drea Nall, and I'm here with my lovely ladies. Meow, meow. Say hello, ladies. <laughs> Angela Rose Red. Gabby Kios, meow. meow. On this episode, we're going to be talking to Andy Pohl. He is the guitarist in the Bay Area band Tsunami Bomb and runs an indie label called Sell the Heart Records, where he forever has the band's best interest at heart. You can also check out his podcast called Question the Answers, where he highlights his experiences in the music industry. But before we bring him in, let's go around the room. Angela, what's going on with you? I had my first social distancing photo shoot that I conducted since the pandemic. It was pretty great. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember about a year ago, actually the last official show that I photographed, it was Rocket A Go Go's pinup pinball competition, Creeps Hill mm. Played. It was at the Yucca. And the winner of that won a photo shoot with me. And then um, that was a great little exchange as far as trying to um, work together to network amongst all the different local artisans and businesses. But of course, things closed down and uh, we put that on hold. And so I have been doing lots of thinking and lots of researching. And I contacted Bad Arcade, which is where it mm. was scheduled to be photographed at. And uh, we decided to go ahead and move forward with it. And uh, we were so fortunate enough that the owners at Bad Arcade, we worked with them. So it was during the week. So we ensured that mm. nobody was really going to be there. They closed the back half of the arcade for us so we can awesome. work safely. And I had a mask on the whole time, yeah. which was great because after a while, I didn't really even notice that I had it on. And so mm -hmm. it just became like an extension of me. And so sanitizer at hand definitely kept distance from the model. But it felt fucking phenomenal. It was like I felt some sense of normalcy again. And it was just great to get back in that realm. It was really sad though, to walk into the Yucca because, you know, that's our home, you know, that's where we've photographed. I photographed a bunch of shows. You guys have played those shows that's home for us. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely bittersweet to be there. Cause I haven't been back and it was sad. I can, I could hear the walls <laughs> weeping a little bit, waiting for the music to come back. So I'm hoping and hopeful with, you know, the vaccine in place that things are moving forward to a change, but it was great to forget for a moment and just dive in and do some creative work. So that's, I'm excited because we're going to be submitting some yeah. of those photos for hopefully um, magazine submission. So stay oh, tuned for that. So yeah, I'm stoked excited. for you because that's like your art form. Yeah. Holding a camera. So thanks. It was great. Yeah. It felt like I was back. And I've just continued on working on rebranding my photo photography stuff and doing some different printing, um, just testing and just trying to go with the flow in between some of these opportunities that I can do while still being safe. Does yucca still smell like yucca? It does. It still definitely <laughs> smells like fucking yucca. Um, it was a trip because they have that little like gated area now. So the fenced in area. So they oh, extended like it. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a trip being back, you know, but I was thinking to myself, 
why the I was doing yucca wrong. I should have always had sanitizer even before yeah, COVID. Because I, <laughs> I love yucca though. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Gabby, what's going on with you? Uh, my cat's staring right at <laughs> our reflections on the screen. Most update, I got my mom vaccinated. So that's the right step Yay. to getting things back to normal. And there was a shit ton of people there. Like, I never yeah. been to that stadium and I got lost, did a couple circles around. And then finally, I just stopped and Googled, like, how the fuck to get to the big scene. And, like, it, it was pretty, it went pretty smooth. We talked to like 10 different people with fucking iPads and shit. And I pull up with my Hemi and fucking this dude's like, hey, young girl, you know how fast we're going? <laughs> Me being an ass. I'm fed up with shit. So I'm like, ha, literally, that's all I said. <laughs> and he's just staring at me. And I'm st- like, yeah, so he says, like, you know how fast you're going, young lady? I'm like, ha. And we're just staring at each other. And like, he kind of just figures that I'm not going to say anything that's else. That's how you like throw and, them off. Yeah. Just say, ha. To <laughs> that's all that. Do what else that. am I supposed to say? I'm like, I, we're in a parking lot. Like, were you going fast? No. Like, oh. I just pulled up. I think to he, the was next, he, he was fucking with me. He was fucking with me, but I fuck with him more. So that was right. pretty funny. But same young girl. That's so condescending. <laughs> hey, you know, wearing girl. a mask. So, yeah. like, how do you know? I'm like, well, yeah. I'm, I don't fucking know. But whatever. still. Yeah. So, that how was, does he know that you identify as a girl? Right. You know so, what I mean? There's I, so many dude, things. Like, his eyes, like, because he was wearing a mask too. And, like, his eyes were just like, fuck. Like, what do I say or do? <laughs> I'm not a girl. I'm a woman <laughs> with a hemi. Yeah. Damn. I can't with you. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then he just walked around to my mom and like did whatever else. You should have just said, like, what's the hemi with you, man? <laughs> Damn. So many missed opportunities. But no, it went pretty smooth. It was great. Good. Like mom, she didn't feel it. Like she's feeling fine after 24 hours so like, I checking on her and she's fine and she was like terribly terrified like of course she was something was gonna yeah. happen or and it's, which reminds me i need to check on her this evening yeah, yeah. text her call her sure. for sure yeah. i'm yeah. so excited yeah. so for she's booked for the second appointment at the end of the month so I, I heard the second one hits you harder than the first. Oh, I heard yeah, so really? too. Yeah. Did, did she get the which one did she get? The Pfizer? Or the, the Pfizer, yeah. I think okay. yeah, that's the one that they're doing at the Cardinals. The stadium. stadium. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, definitely um have her book up mm-hmm. book like electrolytes food just have her yeah, stock because yeah because yeah. she i hear it okay. that's when the second round is they Damn. tend to hit it yeah so yeah because she's only got one kidney so she's got to really pump in those oh for sure things, well i'm but. so glad she got the vaccine then because yeah. she's definitely on the high risk list so. yeah it was way to go mom yeah. so that, yeah. that's what i did this week so yay that's a huge win <laughs> yeah it's a huge win what about you drew uh, what about me? What about you, boo-boo? Mur, mur, mur. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys want to know? Do you want to know something nerdy or you want to know a band-related thing? Yes. Oh, it's nerdy first and then let's yes. end it with the band. All right. I like it. We'll go, we'll go nerdy first. Um, I've recently started re-watching the 90s cartoon version of X-Men. Yes! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I just have to say, like, I do not like Cyclops at all. He's such like a kiss ass. Like <laughs> I just I can't. Like I'm fucking Team Logan, Team Wolverine, all the way around. Wolverine, schnickety schnickety schnoise. <laughs> Team Logan. I fucking love Gambit and Rogue. Like that's yeah. I love that era of like 
X-Men 90s. I knew there was a reason why I loved you. I, I know. So <laughs> that, of course, leads to another path where I actually went to the Marvel Comics website. And I'm like, mm. this this whole empire has started because of comics. They have to sell comic books on their website, right? Mm-hmm. They do. So I subscribe to the X-Men Legends. The first issue comes out, I think, March 21st or something. But I get like 12 of them. <laughs> so we're going to... That's awesome. We're going to start... Like, can, can we start trading issues? Like comic book issues? Can we start doing Angel, this? Angel, you have a comic book collection? Yes! How do you not know this about me? Oh my god, yes! I volunteered for free comic book back day way, many, many years ago just so I can get free what? comics and the Atomic Comic like free That's t-shirt. Awesome. Rest in peace, Atomic Comic. Right. Go for it. Yeah, Damn. so my whole... Justi- <laughs> I subscribed to it, but my whole justification for it was I always like told myself I wanted to read more during mm-hmm. our quarantine. I, I don't, I'm not like as adamant as I should be on it. So I get to read and look at really cool artwork at the same time. So I mean, (laughs) comic books is such, such a underrated art form, but now, and not so much because it's out there, but a lot of people are forgetting that these amazing movies are based on this art form, but it is, there's some great documentaries on Disney plus that talks about females who like broke through Mm -hmm. the comic book industry. And I was like shook and crying and it's, fucking phenomenal yeah i may or may not have no. have a couple of ideas for comic books so we should talk yes. offline what? but i can't really <laughs> talk much about it <laughs> yeah they mark about it yeah so i'm excited i don't know i'm fucking excited nerd. Too. Nerd. i wonder if my brother still has his old uh, comic books i just remember spawn yeah yeah, and like that's what they were like 90s. Spanish spawn oh spawn nice. or whatever. I always remember him having like comic books laying around. Fuck nice. yeah. That was like McFarlane toys did a lot of spawn because McFarlane has like the best action figures ever. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The most detailed. They really are. Yeah. Oh. Wanna talk about action figures? <laughs> do i want to talk about action figures yes i've gotten to the point where i get like daily emails from hasbro pulse oh, shit. that tells me like what action figure is dropping that day and that's like on fridays they do like pre-orders oh, um shit. so i'm be i'll be on there i'll be looking i'll be checking it out like mandalorian <laughs> i'm on there because like they put out the mandalorians and yeah. they, they run a star wars series called the black series and those so are for good. some fucking reason like high demand like they sell out and yeah so I, y'all want to dm me i can talk with nerd shit all day with you guys yes like. <laughs> it makes it so easy now that graphic novels are such a huge thing that mm-hmm. it makes it easier for collectors to be able to yeah. or people that want to get into comic books and don't want to buy single issues and spend that so shit. oh for sure yeah can a do you guys remember street sharks vaguely yes that was like my favorite fucking show when i was a little kid (gasps) it's spanish but like i remember they had the coolest like figurines like yeah the guy with the the boxer shark like you have like i always wanted to and every time i mentioned street sharks to someone they're like what the fuck street no i know what you're talking about yeah sharks i can see the commercial in my head the one with the rollerblades a fucking shark rollerblade (laughs) (laughs) that's 90s shit right yeah hello 90s That's well, awesome. All right. Sounds That's- like we're all doing pretty good here. <laughs> so um, if you guys want to borrow my comics, <laughs> let me know. All right. So actually, we're going to jump into the round table here. And since Andy is a huge advocate on self, self-health and self-care, we wanted to, you know, divulge and discuss a little bit about that with ourselves. 
So the round table is ways to channel your men- mental health struggle through creative outlets. Angela, want to kick us off? All right. So, <laughs> so I sometimes, actually, I always, I struggle with depression, anxiety. That's a big thing for me. And so something I've dealt with all my life. And I think it can be a struggle for any person uh, within the punk rock community. I think it's very, very common. But sometimes your creative outlet that you love can give you old anxiety on top of that because you're like 100% I'm like I need to create and I'm nervous to create and this means so much to me so so sometimes you can put yourself into a loop which I often find myself struggling with that and I've been very transparent about that on different episodes but one of the things that I have tried to implement is to have like sub creative outlets that really don't have necessarily my heart and soul into it like I started picking up some clay, started maybe messing around with that or started diving into like silly watercolors. I know that was like a thing or trying to pick up something that's kind of relatable in the creative realm sometimes can inspire you to not care so much and it helps keep your mind off of those struggles. And then that way it's easier for you to kind of jumpstart into that main creative outlet that you're used to leaning on. Um, Another thing that sometimes I struggle with is I will stay up late at night with my rushing anxiety thoughts and like, I should be doing this. And what about this? And all these different worries and struggles that I face. So I had a teacher tell me once when you go through those like insomnia periods or those manic phases, get up and do something productive, get up. And even if it's like, sharpening your pencils, cleaning your photo lenses, changing mm-hmm. guitar strings for you guys, doing something yeah. like that, because eventually you're going to wear yourself out to be tired. And if you mm-hmm. don't, you'll at least be tired knowing that you accomplished something. So that is a big thing that I've been trying to do. So, mm-hmm. um, and then also at the end of the day, doing short bursts of projects, like setting a timer, like, mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to edit photos, these concert photos in my backlog for 10 minutes. That's what I'm going to do. 10 minutes. I'm going to have 10 minutes on my timer and just do that. And once the timer's off, I can take a break and then for 10 minutes, then start again for another 10 minutes. So doing them in little breaks can help. But a lot of times what I find myself when I start doing it, I usually snooze the alarm Hmm. and end up keep going. Right. So that that's something that I've been trying to do. Yeah. Because I'm kind of wearing myself out. And like, I think it was the other day during the week, I had like so much shit to do. And then I'm like, why am I even doing any of this? Like, I just had that thought, like, why is it? And I don't know, something else happened. And I was like, I just went back to whatever I needed to do that day. But I do make little tiny, tiny, tiny list of each category that needs to get done. And usually I can't do it because I got to do some other shit. So it's 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 draining, but there's ways to. That's Overcome good that it. you're saying though. Like and little n- tiny lists. Little little tiny bursts of energy. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that I perfect this mm-hmm. because there's a lot of times that I don't, but just celebrating the wins that you do have yeah. and not harping on the times that you do struggle. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've heard of is swallowing the frog 
I don't know if that's the correct terminology. So Whoa. if you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so meaning, okay, I'm probably saying it wrong. So I, I hope you guys Swallow are laughing who are listening. <laughs> so when you do create a big list, like you mm-hmm. were saying, and you become overwhelmed, mm-hmm. start with the biggest thing on your list. Yeah. Start with the biggest thing because at least you got that bullshit yeah. done. Because if you start with the tiny, easier things, it's very draining. Yeah. And then the other one just seems like this big mountain that you can't even accomplish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I think yeah. since like, you know, all three of us kind of just struggle with our own mental health issues in different ways. Um, it's always good to just kind of like have that support system as well. Yeah. So talking it out with like friends and like just being kind of like that ear for each other. But as far as creative outlets for me anyway, like or reorganizing things like mm-hmm. like you put it off and like your closet for something like clean out your closet like it's i mean organization and color coding is like i've gotten into like color coding too which is weird awesome. um and i know it's like creatively you might think for me like music or whatever but like that has just that hasn't really been on my mind like it's hard to like get into that because you know i need like i need the band to like really do it but um creative like creative wise like just reorganizing things and like occupying your mind with that um and it's gonna sound weird but like i fixed the vacuum the other day like i ordered parts for it or whatever and like oh my god and, like, <laughs> damn changed out the roller and i didn't know you were macgyver yeah yeah that. like That's awesome <laughs> like i did that and i was like stoked on it because i was like cool like i have something to do right now yeah you know i'm like don't want to be wasting time like watching tv even though I just told you guys I've been watching X-Men, but I, I let it roll during the day at work. So it's like background noise to me, but like, anyway, anyway, yeah. but like, you know, that's like fixing things. I don't know. That's like creative in its own yeah, way. Like, it's creative yeah. thinking. It's using your resources. Yeah. And you know what, Ken, my old teacher did tell me once about that. He's like, the creative juices are going to mm-hmm. come again. So organizing, getting your space in order is perfect because a lot of times you get those creative energies while you're doing it. And if not, your shit is ready to go when the burst comes. Right. You know, when the muse comes a knocking, your shit's ready. Oh, for sure. So, and it helped, you know what? It helps to like, like last night I was MacGyvering that vacuum. (laughs) I had the AFI radio playlist going. So I'm listening to music. Like music is still like a constant thing in my life every day. It's just, I'm not playing it. So I'm not like getting it out that way, but you know, listening to like AFI and that stuff, like that does like get me like energized to like want to, you know, want to write new stuff. And so, yeah, it does help the creative juices, juices <laughs> inside Juice. of yourself. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to, you know, hear what Andy has to say about his creative outlet process yeah. and how he channels it. Because I think, I think it's a work in progress for everyone, you know, yeah. and it's important to just be kind to yourself. So when you have bad yeah. days, it's okay that you have bad days. Just know that good days are, are yeah, ahead. For sure. But before we bring him in, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, for providing this nutritious, I don't know, it's not nutritious. <laughs> it's just water. <laughs> Replenish. Hydrate. Replenish. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing, too. Like, all jokes aside, it's not creative, but take care of yourself. Drink some water. Yeah. Take your vitamins. Yes. 
and go outside and go outside get some vitamin d because i for i get that d and get that d (laughs) get that d and swallow that frog wow (laughs) bangers and hemis I'm right. sorry, Andy. When you listen back to this episode, I want to apologize. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a small break here. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Andy from Tsunami Bomb. Woo-hoo! Right here on the Sound Sister Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Sound Sister Podcast, all the way from California, Mr. Andy Poe. <laughs> it's me. It's Andy. It's Andy. <laughs> so how's it going, dude? You know, it's it's going okay. You know, uh, times are crazy. Times are weird, but I'm I'm super grateful that you know the last year has been relatively easy on me and my my family. You know, my wife and I have been pretty much unscathed by this more or less. So, you know, v- very grateful and yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, but you know, time's weird. Time's weird. It's just, yeah, it's fucked up. I know. <laughs> I know. It, it's, it's weird to think we're in 2021. Like it's, it's still crazy. And I don't know, sometimes time's moving slower and in some aspects it's moving faster I don't know. Uh, are you pretty much uh, working remote or working at home most of the time? Are you and your wife at home doing that thing? Yeah. So uh, I've been uh, working for this company for a few years now, and you know everyone transitioned to to one hundred percent remote. You know, once you know shit hit the fan, and it, it's cool to swear, right? Like yes, no yes, okay. please, yeah. more the better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, 
Uh, yeah, so I've been 100% remote this entire time. And then my wife actually was 100% remote for the majority of it. But her company actually recently started uh, bringing people back in to the office. Oh, wow. and so, they, But they have a very rigorous um, like testing plan. So they get tested okay. actually like twice a week. And oh, wow. they do like very thorough like contact tracing. So like they're... Yeah, it's been it's been okay, you know, as far as that's concerned. It's I'm still not very stoked on that. I, I mean, because as far as I'm concerned, if you can do your job remotely, you should. But, exactly. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, that's you know, been working from home. Yeah, this is my yeah. office in all of its For glory. For sure. It's interesting because all three of us work at home too, and so it, that's what I say. How time is. In some aspects, I feel like I'm working harder because we're we're working faster and expectations are moving in that aspect. And so it's more and more so important for us creatives. I'm, I'm a photographer, writer, and they're, of course, musicians. But we one thing that we always talk about is how we find that balance and trying to find the balance from remote working to your actual creative life. And uh, so I'm curious, like, what kind of best practices you do to kind of shut off the remote working and plunge into things like your podcast and your music? Yeah, I think that, I think that's an excellent uh, question and something that I think actually needs to be talked about more um, with regards to this, you know, reality that we're living in. Uh, you like in particular, so I, I work in like the tech industry. I work for this company that, you know, uh, the, the product that we sell actually uh, took off you know? And, uh, so our, our plate got very full in terms of the amount of work that we had. And so, um, you know, we, we already had a lot of work before that, but now we had even more. And so we had a lot of discussions as a company around like how we were going to address that because we wanted to take advantage of this new business we had, but we didn't want to burn people out. And, um, you know, I can say that as far as myself, like, I just try to step away, like like physically step away um, from my desk um, because it's really easy. I think when um, you know my my work is very computer involved, like I'm, you know I work in programming, and so mm-hmm. you know so I'm already in front of my computer eight ten hours a day, and then on top of that, like between my podcast and like running a record label, and then just like socializing, you know, on everything's done on my computer now, so. Yeah. Like that's a lot of screen time, and that's just like I feel like that is something that can can just suck that energy out of you, you know. And mm-hmm. I just yeah, I I have to like take walks, like so I'll literally like go outside and like take like a, a ten minute walk, and that helps me kind of break from that. Um, and I just you know I I set pretty firm limits for myself with regards to like my employer, you know. I, I I'm not I'm not going to work like. 12, 14 hours a day. I'm just not going to. And, yeah. you know, they, they thankfully understand that and they appreciate it. So it hasn't been like a struggle, thankfully. Um, but I know a lot of people that are struggling with that and like, it's, it's a problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in communications and the education field. So I'm, I'm the same thing. So I'm in Photoshop video writing things, but then outside of it, doing the same work. And there are times where like, I have my friends here that hold me accountable and like Dre has even texted me 
go outside, take a walk because I forget to leave my room. (laughs) I do. And it's so hard because my art room and my office are the same space. And so I think you brought up an excellent point there. Um, Yeah, but it's interesting because our roundtable topic discuss a little bit about that too. So before we brought you in, we were talking about Um, just, we all struggle with like mental health. And I think that uh, the majority of people in the punk rock community can also definitely identify with that because those are a lot of themes that of course, that we all generally gravitate to. And we were talking about ways that we tried to channel that in creative outlets. Um, Do you have any sort of other things you would like to share on how you try to focus that because in doing research, I know that that's something that you've also focused on as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, just for my own personal, um, like health and giving myself like healthy boundaries with, um, everything that I do in life. Like one of the, one of the key things that I, uh, try to do every day is I do meditation and, um, you know, that's been, uh, something that's helped me kind of keep a clearer headspace. Um, like even just five or 10 minutes a day of just like sitting, you know, I use, I use the, uh, the headspace app and you know, that's just, I mean, I cannot recommend it enough to people, you know, is just give yourself like that, that little moment to just be like free of all the white noise that life has, because you know, it, it's so funny. Like I was, I was listening to a podcast that had a friend of mine on it. And he was talking about this and he, he referred to it as like a storm of noise that we live in, you know? And I I think that that was a really great way to put it, you know, in that just everything that we deal with, like work and personal life and like, you know, for us, like creatives, like band stuff and like, you know, pressure to kind of always be doing well and like producing stuff. It is just like, a, it's just a bunch of noise, you know, and like your head has to find a way to clear it out. And, um, that meditation piece, uh, I, you know, I, I got turned on to that many years ago by a good friend of mine and just, it instantly made a huge difference, you know, for me. And so having that small moment, uh, to just break away from it all really does wonders and, so yeah, if, if anyone's curious about it, just try the Headspace out app out. You know, it's I think it's free for like thirty days if you want to try it. And I'm I'm not like sponsored by them or anything. <laughs> so. Sponsor, sponsor. We got a lot of like sponsorships yeah. in this episode. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> is so is meditating? Is that something you implement when you guys are on tour? I do actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I try to just. You know, if there's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not always so easy, but, um, like thankfully with tsunami bomb, you know, we have the luxury of like, at, at least at this point, like usually being able to like get a hotel room, you know? And so we'll get these hotel rooms and then there's usually like a, a 15 or 20 minute window where I can just kind of be on my own. And maybe sometimes that that looks like me actually going into our van that we've rented. And so I'll just do that in the van while everyone else is like in the hotel or something. Um, or there's times where um, if it's like particularly busy, um, I'll just do it, you know, while everyone's in the room and, you know, it's fine. Like nobody questions it. Like nobody gives me like a weird look or anything. Um 
That's really cool. Yeah. We need to start incorporating that on the, yeah. I go on the road sometimes with them too. I think that'd be great. <laughs> like it's yeah. meditation. I always wanted to get into meditation, but I just never know how to get started on it. So I would definitely have to check that app out. Uh, yeah. I mean the, the headspace app, um, you know, as not to, to plug them too much, you know, uh, it, it really is very turnkey, you know, like it, it gives you very simple, easy to digest, uh, like kind of guides, you know, and it's all guided, you know, oh, there are unguided meditations as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would like, again, I would, I would recommend it highly to anyone that want is, that is interested. Yeah. Nice. There's yeah, another one I, called calm. I think that that's pretty good from what I understand. Yeah. And there's, there's like a bunch on YouTube that you can look up to. That's great. Yeah. Cause I think that, that that is a common thing that people wanting to get into meditation because I've, I've tried it and then it's like, Oh, my mind's wandering and I don't know if I'm doing it right. But from what you're describing, it sounds like even if you're just calm in a moment, it doesn't have to be like the traditional, like, you know, big, big type ceremonious, like yogi type type that even though those that practice in that way, it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And I love that. You know, I know a lot of people that practice that way, but it sounds like you try to incorporate it in just any space and anywhere that you can. So I think that's important. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I mean, so are, y- y- y'all are familiar with the Bay area and like we have BART here, right? So Bay mm-hmm. area rapid transit, it's like our, our, you know, train system. Um, there's times where I'll meditate on BART, which is kind of insane to think about because BART is very loud, right? Like even when there's not a bunch of people on there, the, the train itself is just loud. And, you know, I I have my headphones on, um, which kind of curtails some of the, that noise, but it doesn't eliminate it altogether now. and, And I don't know how it is for, for you guys, but I have tinnitus like a little bit you know so i already i already have that ringing in my ears um so i'm never completely in in silence and um so i i like and actually that's something that i think has helped me to deal with that as well because tinnitus can be really kind of frustrating and scary in a lot of ways um because you're never like in silence and that's like Mm -hmm. kind of maddening but um i think working through that and just having like those brief moments of just like, okay, I'm going to breathe with this. I'm, I'm just going to be with this and let it be what it is and not fight it. I'm not going to like push against it because we spend so much time like pressing against the shit that we get put on us and and whether or not that stuff is being forced on us or if it's just passive, it's still stuff that we have to carry, you know? And I think, I think, I think acceptance is, is a huge piece of this and just like saying, okay, this is how this is. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to deal with it. You know, but I'm not going to fight against it because that, 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 that fighting that we do just causes us more, you know, I mean, not to get like too profound or anything, but it does like cause more suffering, you know, mm-hmm. in us and like the whole Buddhist, you know, idea of like, you know, we, you know, we, um, like life is suffering. You know, and the the alleviate the alleviation of suffering is kind of like that that battle we're we're fighting every day, you know, and um, it it kind of blends into this whole meditation practice where you're just going to be like, you know what, I'm just going to be with it and let it be. That just like blew my mind because I've 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 <laughs> I seriously I 
I put the TV on to go to sleep at night because I can't deal with the ringing in my ears. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you said just to be with that because it is hard to escape that. So just embracing it, leaning into it. Dang. Mine well, not wrong, guys. <laughs> not for nothing though. Um, I will say uh, I do use a white noise machine at night. So okay. yeah, like it's, 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 um, it's always something that you have to, uh, like you're constantly like dealing with it because tinnitus is no joke. Like it's always there. And right. until they come up with like a way to cure it, like it will always be there. And, um, like I know people that have like hearing aids that actually do produce white noise so that you're carrying them around. And so you constantly have like this kind of, you know, shh kind of happening and it kind of curtails that ringing. And, um, but, but in, but in relation to the meditation aspect of it, um, I do think that that has been, or it has been something that's allowed me to be more, um, just, uh, accepting of, of how that is. Cause I remember when I first started having tinnitus, um, it was extremely frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's a lot more healthier than looping how I met your mother on Hulu every night. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, that is a good show though. It is. It is. <laughs> well, Andy, you're you have an avenue of just so many cool different projects. I I don't know where to start. There's just so many cool <laughs> stuff I want to talk about. But um, let's talk about Tsunami Bomb. Um how did you become a member in Tsunami Bomb? Like, what's what's going on? Yeah, so um, so I've actually been friends with the folks in Tsunami Bomb since they began. Um, I was actually at their first show ever, and um, wow, I, yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny <laughs> story. Um, so I was I went to college in the Central Valley of Northern California, and I was in a couple of bands back then, and. Um, and Dominic Davi, the bassist and you know co-founder of the band, he had been in a band prior to starting Tsunami Bomb that my bands played with a few times. And so I knew him through, through that avenue. And so um, another mutual friend of ours, this band called Lucky Strike, are you familiar with them? They were, they were around like back from like um, the earlier days in like, sac- like from Sacramento, California. But anyway they were friends of mine as well. And they were playing a show in Merced, California at this place called the fatty mocha, which is hilarious. Great name. But, Great oh, I know, name. right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of legendary in, in the central Valley, but um, that's for another time. But um, yeah, it turns out that tsunami bomb was playing uh, their first show ever. And it was um, supposed to be actually there. It was supposed to be like this big secret thing, like a lead up to their official first show, which was actually in their hometown, but they ended up playing the show. And so I met them there and got to see them there and, um, you know, just be stayed friends with them over the years. And, uh, I actually moved to the Sonoma County area, which is where tsunami bomb was from after I graduated from college. And I was in a band up there that played a lot of shows with tsunami bomb even uh, they even did a tour with Tsunami Bomb prior to me being in that band. Um, so there, there's a lot of connection there uh, historically. And so over the years, you know, maintained these friendships with them. Uh, then the band, you know, obviously uh, stopped playing. They broke up. And then years and years and years later, they got back together. And at the time, I was actually living with Dominic. So Dominic and I were living together in Oakland, California. 
um, we were actually working together too at this company. Uh, he's a graphic designer. And so he was working as a graphic designer. I was doing programming. And so we already had this like, you know, like friendship slash, you know, working relationship going on. And, you know, I was all super supportive of like the, the band getting back together and like doing their thing. And, um, they had their original guitar player, Brian in the band, but then he had to leave. And so they had, uh, 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 Chris come in, uh, rest in peace, Chris. And he, uh, was in the band for, I want to say, I can't remember exactly how long he was in there, but I want to say it was like a little over a year maybe. And, um, you know, then it, it, it basically came to the point where logistically it wasn't going to work out. So Dominic just kind of mentioned, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, dude, of course, like, hell yeah, this would be great. You know, like it makes a lot of sense. I wasn't playing in, in any bands at the time. And, um, you know, I figured I was right there. I could just help out. And initially it was more of a hired gun scenario where I wasn't like officially a member of the band. I was just kind of, you know, being the fill-in guy. And that was fine. I, I had no problem with that at all. Um, I just wanted to help out and play some music. And uh, so I came on, played, I, I want to say, I think I think we did like eight, eight or 10 shows, something like that, before they kind of officially asked me to join the band. And uh, yeah, they, they, they actually gave me like a golden ticket like a like a Wonka bar kind of style. That's awesome. <laughs> I got a golden tick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so they officially asked me to be a member of the band and I couldn't be more stoked. And it, it's been a, a wild ride. You know, we got to put that that new album together and we've done a couple of uh, other, we did the seven inch. We have a couple of comps that we've been a part of and, you know, we're demoing new material. I've gotten to play a bunch of places that I had never played before, you know, festivals stuff like that it's it's great um i just want to nerd out for a second here and <laughs> to say that uh, tsunami bomb was i think pivotal in my picking up the guitar and like taking it serious in high school and um i had like i had a friend in san diego that like got me the band's autograph like oh, <laughs> Like I don't I don't know it's just like a, this is like a geek out moment for me and so fangirl moment yeah so fangirl moment so I mean flash forward God fifteen years you know the Booker from Yucca is like hey tsunami bombs coming do you guys want to play I'm like say no more yes like <laughs> whatever the date is we will be there like yeah so. Thank you for coming on my podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I, I will say like, you know, being the, the, the newest member and at this point, what would be the, let's see, there was, I want to say, I, I think I'm like the sixth guitar player officially. Um, you know, th there's some big shoes to fill and like, you know, some of these songs are like, I uh, like they're, they're really iconic songs. Like, like a song like lemonade or like take the reins, like, you know, it, it, I think not for nothing, like these songs are like really well-known songs and like they kind of stand out in like that bands from that time period, like Warp Tour kind of punk bands from that time period, especially, you know, and so people know this band and they know these songs. And so for me, it, it's not so much that I'm, you know, nervous about like not filling the shoes correctly because, you know, I'm, I'm friends with all these guys, you know, I'm friends with the prior guitar players and like everyone's like gr great about like being super supportive of like everyone that's been in the band, you know, through that. Um, but like, I understand that I, I have a, a certain amount of duty to like 
do these songs justice because I play them my way, but I want to be true to the song, you know, mm-hmm. the way it was written originally, you know, and I, and I understand too, that like people are coming mostly to see these songs get played, you know, like they're not, they're not necessarily coming to see like the brand new stuff. I mean, they are, but you know, um, but I, you know, like take the reins, lemonade, you know, uh, say it like you mean it. Like those are like the songs people want to hear, you know? Yeah. I was going to ask you, that's got to be hard to try to find that balance to still be yourself as a musician and add your own flair, but then still pay, pay respect to those old schoolers. So wait, way to take that yeah. and just take run the with reins. it. Yeah. Take the <laughs> reins way to go. Is it some, it's some hard shoes to fall. I could see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's something that any person in my shoes has to kind of consider because, you know, we, so, you, you know, the, the elephant in the room with Tsunami Bomb is that, you know, there's not only, you know, a rotating cast of guitar players, but, you know, there was this changeover for the singer, you know, which, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a subject that is very sensitive and, um, you know, nothing but respect to, to Emily Whitehurst, you know, I mean, she's a friend of mine, you know, like she's great, you know, and she's, she's actually been super like supportive of this whole thing, you know? Um, but the, the fact is, is like some people are not stoked on the fact that there's a new singer and that's at least in my humble opinion, unfortunate because like one of the, one of the things about like, I think art and, and especially like music and, and maybe even sometimes like more so like punk rock, at least, I don't know, maybe, maybe because I I pay more, I pay more attention is that, people have this unfortunate block where they can't think that two things can be good at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So tsunami bomb with Kate as the vocalist can be just as good as tsunami bomb with Emily Whitehurst. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can, both, it can both be good, you know? Right. <laughs> and for some reason, some people just cannot feel that way. And, you know, that's fine. You know, if anyone feels that way out there, I'm not trying to, you know, nitpick that too much, but, um, I, I just, that's just my opinion. I I think that there's room for both (laughs) and it's, it's easy if you just kind of open your mind to it a little bit, you know? Can't we all just get along? (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, it kind of breaks down to that. It's like, there's there's no weirdness with it like it doesn't have to be weird it can just be like yeah like i like these songs that have kate on it i like these songs that have emily on it like or maybe i don't maybe i don't like any of it it's like okay great like you don't like tsunami bomb fine (laughs) (laughs) it's i mean not to like bring metallica up again in the (laughs) (laughs) but like robert trujillo has been the bass player for that band for how many years now and people still want to be like, oh, they suck. Like, you know, they want to go back to like Jason. Right. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's why do you, that's the question too. Is like, give it a chance. Just like, you know, Tsunami Bomb. Like Kate is great. She's a mm-hmm. great singer. Give it a chance. Like mm-hmm. people can grow. Yeah. You can grow. Can evolve. The Bouncing Souls wrote a song about this many years ago, foreshadowing this whole thing. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all really. <laughs> no, yeah. No. Well, I mean, like, like your point about Metallica. I think Robert Trujillo has actually been in the band longer than Jason Newstead was. That's a, at oh, this point. Yeah, yeah. I think that's you know. Yeah. That's fact. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, facts. like, like, why are we even having this conversation? It's like, guys, 
it's not a it's not your band like it, so they can do whatever the fuck they want you know right you know you can have your opinion but you know uh just people leveraging like the power of the internet to like cause these crazy like frantic arguments over stuff that just simply does not fucking matter you know right like, right like it's preference. why do we spend energy on this why you know <laughs> all press is good press yeah, <laughs> yeah well I, yeah I, I, and for the bands you know like ultimately like th- those guys in metallica like you know like metallica is kind of an interesting you know uh I think example, because it's like, dude, they were already freaking mega millionaires before any of that shit went down anyway. But like, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know like what might be a, a different example besides tsunami bomb, but like, you know, there's tons of bands that have rotating casts like, or like dead Kennedys, you know, yeah. like dead Kennedys yeah. minus jello. Is that the dead Kennedys? I mean, you can definitely make the argument that no, it is not, you know? Um, but people still go see it and I'm sure it's great. I mean, shoot, I, I would probably go see him and I'm on, I'm on Jello's, you know, uh, label, you know, right. and you know, there can be opinions about that to high noon, but you know, everyone just has an opportunity to, I think, like things however they want. Just, I, I just, I get so frustrated with like people expend like all this energy trying to debate like what's better than the other when it's like, dude, both can be good. You know? Yeah. Give it a chance. Be open-minded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what? So we the pinks we had you know a couple of festivals lined up for 2020 you know that didn't happen what was gonna like what was on the agenda for tsunami bomb that didn't happen yeah so we had we had you know we had released the spine that binds back in november of 2019 and so 2020 we were able to do one small run of shows and um, we didn't have anything specific lined up, but the intention was that we were going to try to hit up some places that we hadn't been to yet. Like, I know we were definitely trying to make it over to like the Colorado area because we hadn't made it over to like Denver or any of those areas. We definitely wanted to try to hit up the Midwest again because we only really played the one show in Chicago um, for the, um, oh God, why can't I think of it? It's a festival. It's uh, Punk the Burbs. Yeah, we played Punk the Burbs, um, which was a great festival. And um, you know, we were we were kind of hoping that we might do like punk rock bowling if we got the ask. Um, you know, eventually, um, you know, any number of festivals. You know, I mean, you know, we thankfully have a really great booking agent who like tries to get us on like all the great stuff. You know, cat and. Um, we we also had been considering trying to put together a UK run, but that that typically takes like a pretty. I mean, you guys know because you guys have gone to Europe before, so it, it it takes a little while to to plan that out and like really do it well. So so twenty twenty probably wouldn't have seen a UK thing, but um, I mean we we would have liked to have done at least four or five like solid weekend runs, which is really all we can do anymore anyway because you know we're we all have full-time jobs. Some of us have families and um, you know, it's just a little tougher when we're all so spread out, you know? Well, and sometimes like from what I've been hearing and also with the pinks, we've kind of learned that those smaller runs are a lot of times more, you get more bang for your buck than the longer runs. Right. Right. Cause it's more intentional and you're able to hit certain spots a little bit more often. And then, you're able to do, you, you get more return on the investment. I think, I think the days of doing like month long tours, it's, 
few and far between unless unless you're Metallica (laughs) 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 or like even the descendants but they seem to do like shorter runs too you know punk rock does look a lot different and and it's more acceptable to do that which is great because it's that balance between you know family life and everything else in between so definitely Uh, I, I think a lot of the bands that are a little bit more of the like quote unquote older guard um they're they're doing more of like only playing festivals or doing these very short bursts, you know, or they'll play, you know, a, a festival and then like two shows around the festival or something like that. Like, I think, I think the Vandals now, like for years now have only done festivals, you know, um, yeah. which yeah. I mean, shoot, like it makes a lot of sense. I mean, those guys are a legendary, legendary. They don't have to prove anything to anyone, you know, and you know, they're, I mean, I don't know how old all of them are, but I think they're in like their middle late fifties, you know? So, they have families and jobs and you know, it's, they can't just go for like 60 days in our, in one stretch and just do it. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about sell the heart records. How did you start it? And where's it going? What's <laughs> on the horizon? Where's it going? <laughs> what's, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening? Give us uh, so yeah, Sell the Heart started uh, about 10 years ago, actually. Uh, so I was living in Sonoma County and it, it started in earnest with uh, a few friends of mine where we just wanted to try to figure out a way to put something together to document the local scene up there. Because at the time, there weren't any labels uh, doing anything like that. Um and there were a lot of really great bands. And so, um, you know, uh, it was uh, like five of us. And the initial idea was that we were each going to kind of have a role, you know, within the, the label. Like one of us would be kind of like the promotions person. And one of us would be more of the, I guess, for lack of a be- better word, like radio person. And like one of us would be the uh, marketing or like whatever, you know. Um, and, you know, it, it all sounded great in theory. but. Um, in, in practice, you know, it's such a small scale thing that we really didn't need all that, uh, like that many people doing those specialized types of things. Um, uh, because I, I think that the bands that we were working with, none of them were doing anything on like such a grand scale that we could have probably even capitalized on any of that stuff because they were barely leaving Sonoma County as it was, you know, they weren't like going on like these large tours. So, um, you know, the, the folks that were involved initially, uh, we we would meet every once in a while and like, you know, everyone was pretty enthusiastic about it. And, uh, eventually it kind of like dithered down to like myself and one other person, which eventually dithered down to just me kind of doing it all. And it, it, you know, it wasn't because like people lost interest or anything. It was just more like, eh, there wasn't much going on with it because because it was such a small operation, we could only do like one thing at a time. And so, you know, the first release we did was actually a CD of the band that I happened to be in. And, um, you know, that, that got put out and, you know, it, it worked okay. It was, it, it, it was, it was fine. I mean, it, we, this was like before, like, you know, Facebook had really like taken off and, um, you know, MySpace was kind of dying at that point. And, um, um, my band wasn't really able to do a lot of touring. So, uh, it, it, a lot of, a lot of like the things that labels do, like we weren't really doing, you know, it was just more like, yeah, it's a label, you know? 
Um, but then eventually I started working with a few other bands and, you know, kind of got the, the hang of, you know, doing the release management and, you know, trying to get some marketing and PR involved and, um, you know, working with third parties to do that. And, you know, kind of learning about what some of that stuff is and like how to really leverage it. And, uh, that lasted for about another five years. I worked with, I think in total, probably like seven different bands, uh, mostly from like the Northern California area, kind of different, different genres. Like we, we weren't focused on like only punk rock or like only like, you know, post rock or anything like that, but it was kind of a mixed bag. But then I had to like take a little break from it because basically financially I, I didn't have any funds for it. And, um, I mean, a lot of labels run into this where, you know, unfortunately things get put in motion in, in earnest, like thinking, okay, yeah, like this is going to be fine. Like we're going to release this record and then like, we're just going to tour and then it's going to sell. And then it doesn't sell. And then the band like stops playing shows and then you're like, okay, well, what's happening here? Like nothing's happening. So it just kind of, you know, without momentum, nothing really moves forward. And so, uh, I eventually took like a, about a three year, uh, hiatus from the label came back a few years ago with my first, uh, uh, album back, which was a, uh, Fugazi tribute album. Uh, it was something I wanted to do for a really long time where, uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm a huge, huge Fugazi fan. They're probably like easily my, one of my top five bands of all time. And, um, I always wanted to do it, but I was always kind of afraid to do it because, like I love that band so much that I didn't want to like do them dirty and like have like, <laughs> like, really not so great songs come out and then like you know get a call from Ian just like guys why why did you do this you know <laughs> like but uh, no but um dead to me <laughs> yeah right yeah but uh I eventually like reached out to some friends I'm like hey, this is an idea that I have like do you think I should do it and everyone's like yes you should totally do it so I was like okay I'm gonna do it. And I had a little bit of extra money. So I got a bunch of bands involved and everyone was like resounding. Yes, I'm totally in. I'm totally in. And, you know, thankfully we got like the okay from discord to do it. And, um, you know, no worries. Like we, we, you know, we're, we're funneling all the money, uh, to a local charity for that, which is kind of in the spirit of like what Fugazi is all about. And it, it actually did pretty well. And I was really excited about that. So it kind of like reinvigorated my interest in doing this label. And so, uh, fast forward to about a year ago, I was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and like really try to do this again. I'm going to try to like work with some really cool bands, you know, put my best foot forward, like work with a PR person, like try to just really leverage everything that I have at my disposal. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. So, you know, I had all these grand plans and I was working with this great band. Like, you know, the first artist that we worked with was this band called Unconditional Arms, which is uh, this guy named Jeffrey Wright. It's his like solo project. He's been in a couple of other bands over the years. I had worked with him previously in, in another project that he was on. And it's this really awesome album. And it's like this post-rock, like very like, you know, kind of atmospheric, like dreamy, but kind of heavy in some parts, like really great record. And I was all stoked on it. And then boom, pandemic, and he can't play any shows to support it. What the hell are we going to do? And I also had like three other records like in the process of like getting that done. So I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? Yeah. But thankfully, actually, you know, in so many ways, the pandemic actually turned into something that was a little bit of like a, um, I guess a blessing in disguise, you know, so to speak, mm -hmm. in that people were still hungry for music and they wanted to get it and they wanted to support bands. So 
this last year was actually the best year that the labels ever had, you know, oh, in regard wow. to like the number of records that we've sold. And, um, you know, like, uh, we didn't turn a profit, you know, for what it's worth. Like, you know, we, we're still in the red, but that's okay. Because in all honesty, like I, I still, like when I look at the numbers, I'm like, dude, this is still like the best year that we've had. And I don't do this to make money. Like this is not something that I intend to make my job at all. Like it's purely for fun. And because I have a little bit of extra coin to play with and I love supporting bands that I like, you know, it's, it's a bit of an extension of my own musical taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love all different types of music. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I love jazz, I love hip hop. I'm just not sure if I know the right ways to, to market that stuff or like to push it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the punk bands or like the post-rock bands, like I have a little bit of an avenue to, to put that stuff out into the world. Um, and, you know, I'm still learning. It's a huge learning process. And, um, you know, like, uh, it, it's, it's been a really great way for me to spend my time outside of work and outside of like the band that I'm in. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so if I, what, honestly, if I wanted to start a record label, what is, what is some do's and don'ts? I'm not saying that I'm going to, but like, <laughs> right. they're all damn. That's yeah, our, that's our side yeah. piece, right? <laughs> Sounds as your record label. <laughs> what advice? No, do's, do's or don'ts. No, but for starting, you know, that's a good question. Cause a lot of our podcasts, we try to give advice. So what right. is, what is the advice you would give someone that's wanting to start for that journey? Well, um, so the, the, I think the biggest piece of advice that I would give anyone trying to start a record label is to really spend some time considering what you consider to be success because it's really easy to focus on the things that aren't working versus the things that are right. And I know that for myself, all that I care about is breaking even. So to me, that is the measure of success that I'm shooting for. And I'm talking purely financially, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is a financial aspect to this that is, is unavoidable. Um, at least if, if you're trying to do it, um, the way that, that I'm trying, which, which is like to, to give the bands some financial cushion to, to the, it eases, uh, the pain of that on them. Right. Um, so that, so that's the, the first bit of advice that I would give is just really spend some time defining what success looks like to you. Um, secondly is, is just be prepared to lose, you know, the mm-hmm. money that you put in it, So kind of treat it like gambling maybe. And then that, you know, only be prepared to spend as much as you're willing to lose. Um, and then uh, outside of the financial aspect, I think just really associate yourself with artists that you really give a shit about mm-hmm. because it's, it, it's, it's easy to kind of, I think want to work with the bands that you think are going to sell really well and, and like that are going to make things easier. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I'm sure that there's plenty of labels that really use that as like their, their benchmark. But when you're doing this on like a, such a small scale, it really has to become like a partnership and less of like a label artist relationship, at least in, in my humble opinion. Um, like I'm grateful that all the bands that I work with um, I do consider friends and even the ones that I've like, there, there are bands that I work with that I've never met in real life. Nice. And yeah. And, and like, so for instance, this band called Roland's R L N D. 
That stuff was awesome, by the way. I'm sorry. That stuff that you sent from them was awesome. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. no, they're yeah. they're great. Yeah, I I think they're they're a fantastic band. I I actually got so I got turned on to them by another uh, person who's in a, a band that I work with called Tulpa Luna, and it's this guy Demetrius, and you know he's he's somebody that I have a lot of uh, trust in because. Um, you know, not only do I think his, his band is great, but he's actually been a huge help to the label as like a graphic artist. And, you know, just somebody that I, that I, I feel gets what it is that I'm trying to do. And so he had told me about this band called Roland. And so I got turned on to them. I had conversations with them over the phone and, you know, I just said, you know what? I like this music a lot. You guys sound like you're, you're great. Like I'm willing to roll the dice on this because I, I like it. And I think you guys are good people. Um, and thankfully they were willing to, um, kind of meet me halfway in regards to what I thought was the best approach, because, you know, sometimes I think, um, people come into the relationship with a label thinking, oh yeah, like the label is going to totally like do all this stuff and it's going to be great. And, uh, what I kind of pushed back and I was like, you know, Hey guys, like we're going to, we're going to try this with baby steps instead, because the fact is I don't know you. Like I don't know a lot about your band. You come recommended and I like your music, but that's kind of where that ends. Right. So I'm willing to go this far, but I'm not willing to go maybe as far as I would with like another band that I already have, like maybe a, a, a higher degree of maybe quote unquote trust in, you know, so, and that, that's something that just kind of builds, you know, over time, you know, because if, if you work with a band that you really like, and then it turns out they sell like a ton of units and they do great at like marketing themselves and they really push and like, you know, they just, they hit every benchmark that you kind of have for them where it's like, yeah, they're playing a bunch of shows. They're, they're pushing their stuff to their fans. They turn a bunch of units and then, okay, so next time around, we're going to even double our efforts because I trust that they're going to do that they're going to do the same amount of energy, put about, put, sorry, the same amount of energy and effort into it. Um, as, as I am, uh, while as maybe band, you know, B, you know, you work with them. And so you, you put in that same effort, but maybe they kind of aren't doing their share of the work and like, they aren't really playing shows or they aren't really pushing it out to their fans. Um, and it is like a symbiotic relationship. Like, you know, I, I think some bands, think that when they work with a label, like the label is just going to take on the task of like pushing the records out. And then their work is just to, to play the music. And I hate to break it to you. Like, that's not how it is. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. You know, like you, you have to put in just as much, if not more effort, I would say than the label. Cause the label only has so much reach. And like, you know, ideally the label is building and building and building and building and growing and growing and growing. And then just by default, by bringing on a new band, like that audience will automatically like jump on to that band, but it takes time, you know? And I think with sell the heart in particular, it's, it's a little bit more, um, challenging because I am, I'm not just a punk rock label. Like I don't just deal with like one type of, of, of band, you know? So building that audience, that's a little bit more loyal, um, is harder to do. But that's so punk rock of you. <laughs> well, I, I think it is. I mean, I, 
you know, I, I certainly have right. nothing bad to say about bands that or labels that are niche. You know, I, as a right. matter of fact, I probably should do that. But, <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Like from the heart, like what I like, and I, and I like supporting what I like. Yeah, it wouldn't be from the heart, right? That's good. well, you know, yeah, bands too. Like not just the person. Like good, it's good advice for bands that think labels will just do everything, and like that's that's not the case. It's all DIY, you know. Like totally. we, the bands, like we always push like ourselves to, you know, market and do everything right. So hopefully, bands listen up. <laughs> But it's a give and take relationship mm-hmm. and it just brings more value to the table of what you bring. I mean, I think that's, I think that's very smart. Um, I had a, I know it's, it's a different scenario, but just to kind of link to what you're saying, like I would always undersell some of my like artwork pieces or some of my photo prints. And I had a, a mentor tell me, you need to sell your worth and you need to put it out there for what it is. I mean, don't go off the the charts and and be an asshole about it but i mean if by you starting out like okay let's start out small and build that relationship you're showing your worth as opposed to someone just blindly coming into it so i myself as somebody on the receiving end would be like wow this guy's a real deal and so it to me it shows more value right and you know like the, the valuation of art in general is such a weird thing and like a such a such an unfortunate thing that we have to like kind of really even discuss because you know music is so accessible now and you know literally you can get it for free you know you can virtually get anything you want for free as long as it's on the internet and you know the it's it's not to say that people don't value music but they don't value it the same way that they did i don't think you know Mm -hmm. and um you know you, you can blame spotify you can blame you know napster you can blame uh the cd industry you can blame major labels like there's a lot there's a lot of blame everywhere Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, I do think that artists and bands should totally like know their value and not undersell themselves if they can. Um, it's going to be interesting to see like where this goes. Um, like, I don't know if you've heard about these whole NFTs that are going on. Like, do you know anything about that? I've heard about it. Let's yes. talk. <laughs> Tell, what, it's this, it's this, it's this new um, technology basically that's built on like blockchain. So like the same stuff that like Bitcoin is built on. Okay. And um, basically, what it is is like you could release like a record as one of these NFTs, and there are only so many of them in existence, and somebody could actually own it, right? And because the scarcity factor is involved, it increases the value, right? And it's it's a weird thing to think about because like if Tsunami Bomb only pressed like say five copies of our last record, right? Which of course we wouldn't do because that's lame, you know? Um, <laughs> that's a shitty thing to do. <laughs> well, it's, it's shitty in respect of it's like, you, you know, people want it. So right. why, why would we purposefully withhold it if we know people want it, right? However, um, we also know that people can literally just listen to it on Spotify for free right? if they want to. So the, the valuation between those two things becomes this weird thing to kind of consider, right? Because the cost of pressing that record was probably about like six bucks, mm-hmm. Right but we charge 18. Now, why do we do that? 
We do that because there's markup, there's promotion, there's the money that we spent to record it, there's the money we spent to mix it, there's the money we spent doing the artwork, there's all that time and effort that goes into it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what raises that price point. And I think most people understand that. Mm -hmm. But we could just sell it for six bucks because that's what it cost to make. Um, and with these NFTs, like I, I, like I, I feel like it's gonna push people into like this weird, like state where they're going to be like, Oh yeah, I got to have that NFT. It's like, well, why do, why do you have to have it? Like you can literally just listen to it on Spotify for free. It's gonna like, be why, like, like apparently like Grimes sold some for like millions of dollars. What? Yeah. Damn. yeah. And it's, it's just weird. It's like, why, why would you spend that much money? You know, that's what I was going to do this week and like look into it. Cause I've been, TikTok's been popping these out with music and art. So people buy like the original artwork and like how they put it. It's like the Mona Lisa, everybody can see it, but only there's only one. So you own part of it. So I think music and artists are starting to go that way. Like selling them, not the masters, but like, like, Andy said like a little parts of it so you own it and it's like that's it and people are paying fucking thousands of dollars for like I saw on TikTok this little digital art it's like a little spinning like ball and she made like three thousand dollars yeah it's yeah I saw <laughs> I saw the going. same thing like, <laughs> what yeah it's it's like a new thing and it's like it's it's, it's popping right now I see what yeah I I think that in particular it will make a big impact in like the physical art world. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. With, with like, cause I, I saw those same videos that you were talking about Gabby and like, yeah. <laughs> like that, that to me makes a lot of sense because you have something that's like the Mona Lisa, which there is only one of them in existence. Right. right? And then there's prints of it, but then the prints don't have the same valuation right. as the original because there's right. only one original. Right. While as you know, with, with physical music media, like for a long time, it was like you had to have the reel to reels, right? Like the master mm-hmm. reels, or you had to have the master stampers, or you had to have like the master mother, or like whatever, like the, the, the ADATs or something like that. And that was like the original version, right? Mm-hmm. And if you had those things, you had the true, like, I guess, like the, the highest value uh, offering of that item of music. But music is such, such a weird one because it's audible. Like you can't touch it. Right. And you can't, you can't really look at it either. Right. So like, I, I don't like how, how, I don't know how this is going to translate the same way, but they're going to do it. Like they're going to figure it out. I mean, obviously Grimes figured it out. So, I mean, Wu-Tang did it with their one album where they only made one copy and like that fucker got it. But I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can see record collectors cause they're already like crazy yeah. record collectors. Like right. I can just imagine like that's their next step. And, it's gonna get crazy. So yeah, yeah I'm researching it. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like such a '90s kid that I I think that that's why all of us when we go to shows, it's like I'm gonna get their record or I'm gonna get their album because I I'm inspired by the the photography on it, the liner notes. I'm inspired. I like I would I would lock myself in the room for hours studying the lyrics, you know, just so I knew every single word to a song, and so. It's, I do feel that that's what I love about, you know, the punk community is that there's still a lot of people that feel the same way and we try to represent that. And so I think it's great to see 
labels like such as yours that are are still trying to represent that and and have that similar feel and keep those things alive. I'm just such a fan of tangible things. Like I love print material. I love, I love physical things because we are like, like you said earlier, when we talked about, we live in such a digital world. And even though now we've, it's great that all of us have figured out to, to work remotely. And so now we can have somewhat of a work-life home balance in a different aspect, but we do have to stop and unplug and have those tangible things and those physical things. And it's so important but to have something shift to that other realm, it can get really scary too in some aspects. Right. Yeah, I think I think um, I think the physical media it isn't going away anytime soon. You know, um, uh, I think I think there's far too many people that are invested in that, and that like you, like you and and me uh, are just bound to it because of just our own. Uh, like desire around it. You know, like I, I love pulling the record out and like putting it on, like putting the needle on, like there is something to that that is very pleasing to me, you know? So I, I I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. So I, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon, but I mean, maybe out of a need to kind of, you know, break away from the carbon footprint of vinyl, you know, like, I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. Like vinyl is oil you know, <laughs> and like, you know, are, when are we going to stop it? You know, doing that. I mean, at some point it might be worth investigating that, but I don't know until that day comes, like we have it. <laughs> Shit. I just bought two records today, <laughs> which was on your label. <laughs> well, just, you know, plant a tree. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I saw the two colors. I'm like, God damn it. I got to get them both. Which one did yeah. you get? Uh, I got the red one from Decent Criminal and I got the split one, the the gray. And oh, man. It was like two great colors. It was it's spo- Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be like white and silver. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> and the, the shirt bundle. I'm like, fuck yeah. Plus, it was Bandcamp's Friday that they get all the money. So I was like, fuck yeah. There you go. Yeah. I love Decent Criminal. Like, I <laughs> I really do. My husband's band, Lightspeaker, they opened with like Bad Cop, Bad Cop, and Decent Criminal was playing. We were just talking about this a little bit ago. It was like some years ago at the Rebel Lounge, but super nice dudes. Like, yeah. and, and it was fun to photograph them. And I don't know, their music was amazing. And so, yeah, good, good addition to the label there. So I'm, yeah, they're, they're great guys. I've done them for a while and uh, I just, I really dig the direction that they're going. These new songs are great. Yeah. That's awesome. What is something that you look for in a band when you consider, okay, maybe I might sign them. What do you look for? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I just have to dig the music. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of it. Um, And I, I have pretty eclectic tastes. Like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't tend to like really dislike a lot of stuff. Like there's stuff that I just don't like as much, you know, but um, at the same time, like I, I want it to be something that I'm willing to put my stamp on and, you know, for, for whatever that's worth, like my stamp, whatever that means, you know, like I just want to be able to say like, yes, like I had a, a, uh, or like I was involved in like the, the release of this music and like, I cared about it so much that I wanted to put it out, you know? So that's, that's a number one. And then secondly, just, I, I, I usually have like pretty frank conversations with bands and I just try to, you know, talk it out and say, okay, what are you guys wanting to do? Like, what is it? What is your goal? Like, 
is it to just release the record? Is that all you want to do? Because you can do that yourselves. Like, you know, you don't need my help for that. If you are trying to actually like maybe consider like leveling up, like I can kind of help you with that, but I'm not gonna, like, I can't promise you anything. So if you're willing to accept that as the reality, and if you're willing to work with me and if you're willing to like, you know, if I give you like a suggestion, you're willing to at least try these things, you know? Um, cause you know, I'm, I'm certainly not an expert at this and I'm, uh, you know, I don't always know like the, the right call for stuff. And, um, I certainly don't have like the biggest footprint in terms of like my audience or anything. So, um, you know, I, I basically, I just want someone who's going to be flexible, you know, and work with me and put out a certain degree of effort. Ideally, you know, I'd like to work with bands that have somewhat of an established following, you know, and, and we're talking like modest, like we're talking like a couple hundred people, you know, would probably buy their record. Like to me, that's, that's about as, as good of a following as I would expect for any band on any level to be doing, you know, who isn't already playing like the big club circuits, you know, like if you're, but if you're like a small band and if you can, you know, basically convince me that at least a hundred people are going to buy your record, we can work together, you know? Do you would typically approach the musicians or have you had musicians approach you? And if they've approached you, has that partnership worked out? Uh, so it's a mixed bag. I mean, I, I certainly do get people hitting me up every once in a while. Um, and um, I promise you, it's not me. I'm not trying to hate you. <laughs> I just, I'm curious. Oh. I'm just curious if you got like, demo to I'm, I'm, no, I'm just curious if a lot of people slide in your DMs. So she, I'm just like, right. I'm just she curious. has a Christmas album. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's, yes, Angel Rose Red Christmas album. 2021. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, I mean, I, I do get, I do get a lot of like, I guess for lack of a better word, like unsolicited demos. Um, and that's, yeah. that's fine. Like I'm happy to, to listen to, to stuff. Um, I'm pretty, pretty quick to tell people it's like, Hey, like this is, this isn't really something that I'm interested yeah. in putting out. Um, and I, I keep it very plain. I just say, you know what? Um, this is just not like the type of music that I think would be a great fit, you know, but good yeah. luck. And I just could leave it at that. Um, if it is something that does pique my interest though, like it, that's at that point, I'd say, okay, yeah, like, I think this is great. Like, let's have a talk. And so we'll usually schedule like a phone call and then, you know, discuss a few things. And then, um, I don't know, like, like for instance, there's a band that I'm going to be working with, um, out of the East coast who got referred to me by another band that I'm working with. And, you know, again, one of those scenarios where I've never, I've never met these people in my life. I have yeah. no, 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 like history of what they what they've been involved with like what other bands they've worked on so it's a lot of digging it's a lot of like figuring out okay well who are these people like what are they going to do like how can i trust that they're going to like put forward that effort if i kind of ask them to do these things um because here i am like being potentially willing to put forth like a you know let, let's say for a dollar amount like a few thousand dollars and then on top of that all my time right which could be considered more valuable. Right. Um, and I just, you know, as long as I get an impression that they're decent people that are not going to just, you know, skirt all of their responsibilities as a partner in this Mm -hmm. and leave me hanging. Cause I, I mean, I'll be honest, like I've been burned before. Like, I mean, I've had a couple of bands that I've worked with that just shit went weird and like, they just kind of, 
broke up and then you're just like, all right, like I have all these records now. What am I going to do with them? You know, oh, and then you, you know, well, and I mean, you know, I understand, I understand things happen. Like I get it, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not dealing with contracts. I'm not dealing with like things with lawyers, you know, cause I don't, I don't want, I don't want to, like, I don't want to do that stuff. So, um, I'm, I'm not really in a position to be able to, to do anything about it, even if it does happen. But, um, I'd still rather it be that way. And I'd rather just develop a certain level of trust. And, you know, I figure if, if, especially if somebody comes recommended by somebody who I do know, then it, there's, there's at least some degree of trust there. Mm-hmm. While as if, if you're just like Larry, you know, from Missouri and you're like, Hey, I'm Larry from Missouri. You know, <laughs> I, I like your band. Like, like one of the things that I think is, we're sorry is, to any Larry's that are in Missouri. Right now. <laughs> hey Larry, this isn't for you, but um, no, I, really his name is really Lawrence, but anyway, but, um, <laughs> no, um, like one of the, I think one of the things that that, that I, I think should be like a red flag like immediately to anyone who's like doing this kind of stuff is like you get an you get an email from somebody and they say, Hey, like, yeah, like I, I think you should listen to my record. And what I'd like to do more often is be like, all right, tell me what your favorite band on my record on my label is, you know? Nice. You know, Ooh. and you know, see if they actually like have any idea what we're doing, you know. And if they can't even speak to that, then why would I work with you, dude? You know, yeah. like, and I'm not saying that happens very often. Um, Cause to be honest, like, I, I probably get like maybe one unsolicited demo a month, you know, like people aren't like knocking down my door, you know, but um, the ones that do like they're interested and, and that's fine. And I have a, I have a conversation with them and it either goes one way or the, or the other. And um Thankfully, everyone that I've worked with so far has been really great, and uh, I'm stoked on everything we've done. Yeah, awesome. Well, you're one of the very few Andys, so thank you for being awesome. Hey, I, I'm yeah. trying. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's fun for me to do this, and um, the uh, there there are certainly things about running a label that are frustrating and that um, present challenges that I'm just trying to kind of, uh, achieve the unlock for, you know, and like figure out, cause, cause you know, I have like friends who run labels and some of them have been vastly more successful than I have. And, and I don't know like what that secret sauce is, you know, like maybe, maybe there's something that I'm missing and I don't know what it is. And I, but I, don't, I but I also don't think that there's just like one answer for it. You know, I, I think that it's, it's a, it's a lot of different stuff. Like some bands just catch fire. And so like those bands just take off and like they sell a shit ton of records and then some bands i'd say most bands don't and that's just the way it goes you know i mean even even folks like mike park you know asian man records Mm -hmm. the guy struck gold with alkaline trio you know just struck gold with alkaline trio but for every alkaline trio there's like 20 bands on his on his label that do not sell a ton of records and he talks about it a lot actually you know, like Mike Park is, is like a hero of mine, like in a lot of respects. And that guy is very good about just being very forthright about like the way that his label is running. He's like, dude, this is just me out of my mom's garage. And I'm trying my best, you know? And, and have you seen this TikTok? Oh, I love it. 
Dude, it's, it's so funny. Yeah. My <laughs> TikTok like just showing exactly that. Like, oh, and like customer service, like people like bitching at him. He's like, just him in the garage <laughs> and his email. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's freaking funny as hell. But it's, it's the a, truth. Like, he's awesome. mom's garage. Like, <laughs> it's, it's true. And you know, there's there's other labels that I could point to that have just done really really well over the last like ten years. Like, there are labels that have been around far less time than I have who have just catapulted to like huge levels of success, you know? And I don't know what the background is. Like, I don't know if they had like financial backing from somebody. I don't know if they had like a partnership with like a distributor or like just, you you know, maybe they just got lucky and like the first band that they worked with caught fire. And so they just boom, like this is the, like the direction we're going, but you know, I'm, I'm honestly comfortable where I'm at with this label. Like I'm happy to work with smaller bands doing smaller runs of music and all of them have the potential to do really big things, you know, but I'm not going to be the person that really drives that success for them. Only they can do that, you know, but if I can provide some sort of like a, um, uh, some sort of like a, uh, a, uh, like what's the right word? Like a way for them to like facilitate that that I'd like to, you know? Well, they need to take ownership. Like bands need to take ownership of their own success. I mean, that's, that's the real, right? Well, and, and you know, Mike Park, even like, like speaking of his TikTok, like he even posted one the other day where he was talking about, you know, what it's like to run a label and like what it means to run a label these days. And, you know, he just flat out said, he's like, if you're in a band wanting to know, if you should try to join a label, he said, like, honestly, you probably don't need to because anything that I can do, you can do yourself. And you really can like, especially right now, like any band that wants to like get a PR agent, call up Mike Kubias at Earshot Media, dude. You know, he'll probably work yeah. with you. There's a That's ton of PR people. That's our That's our yeah. <laughs> no, Mike's great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he, he may not, work with you like maybe he doesn't have room you know for for your stuff or like maybe he just isn't interested or like whatever you know and that's his prerogative but um i you know mike's great though and like he probably would work with you um if you are looking to get your stuff into records record stores i mean you probably won't be able to get an actual distributor to work with you but you can always contact you know records to say hey would you be willing to carry two of my records and like some record stores will do that and that effort can go a long way. Um, bands do it all the time, you know, or go to Zia and just drop it off. And just walk out. <laughs> uh, so I didn't warn you about this, but um, I don't know if you've listened to other episodes. We like to ask our guests about paranormal experiences. Okay. Is that something you'd be open to discussing with us? And or UFOs, squ- Sasquatch, or anything freaking creepy and weird. Or Go. do you believe? Do you believe? <laughs> Are you a believer? It's okay if you're not. You I'm a believer, yeah. Out. I mean, I believe in the, uh, yeah, I believe in that stuff, yeah. Nice. Well, you've done some touring. Has anything creepy happened? Yeah. <laughs> so the creepiest thing that I've ever seen on tour was, so I was in a band called California Redemption. Great we name. Were doing, I'm sorry? Great name. Right. Oh yeah. Hey, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We were like a skate punk band, like back in like the, the late nineties, early aughts. But, 
uh, we were doing a tour and we were driving, I believe it was through Wyoming and we were driving overnight to get to our next, uh, spot, which I can't, I can't remember where we were going to. I think maybe we were going to like Oklahoma or something, but, um, it was a, this super kind of interesting, clear night out. And if you've ever driven through Wyoming, it's just vast, you know, like empty kind of space. And, um, the moon was very bright and you could see like outward for like miles and miles and miles. And even when it was dark out, you know, and like, there's no lighting out there. And we were driving along in our van and it's probably like 2 AM. And a few of us were asleep, but a few of us were awake. And we see that there's this, um, uh, like a, like a, like a, a streetlight, you know, and this one gas pump, like out of the middle of nowhere. Right. And, it, and there's no signs, no nothing. Right. And we're just like, what is that? And so we, we kind of like slow down or like we're driving by. We're like, what the fuck is this? You know? And like, in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> why would there be a random gas pump that's on like in the middle of nowhere. And there's, there's no fields of crops or anything like that. Cause like we thought we're like, well, maybe it's like for tractor tractors to like right, fill up, right. you know, but there's no crops. There's no nothing. It's just this weird random gas pump. Like, and like we must've been like outside of like any town, like at least like 50 or 60 miles, you know? And we're the only car on the highway at that point. Like it was just, it was spooky. It was really creepy, you know? And we just decided to just keep driving because we were like, dude, we need gas, but <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I, I know that outwardly that doesn't sound like too crazy, but I think at that moment we were just like, dude, this is really weird. Is like, really we've never cryptic. seen anything like this. Yeah. No, it, it, I thought I thought you were gonna say like there was a gas attendant, and then you were, and then and then and then you stopped somewhere else, and they've been dead for forty years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, I mean, no, but that is pretty bizarre. That's pretty weird. A ghostly well, gas, like that's no. some stuff. And, and dude. in Andy's defense, I've definitely heard ghost stories of like phantom mm. like Objects. gas stations. Mm. <laughs> like I'm not like. Yeah. Was it just I, a pump though? Or was there like a building? No, no, no building. Random ass pump. Just one street light and then a pump. And that Dude, was it. Dude, did you get it. a photo? No, we didn't. Damn it! <laughs> I know, right? Because none of us had like digital cameras or anything like that. Like we, you know, this yeah. is like pre this is like pre like smartphones and all gotcha. that stuff. You know, yeah. so we didn't have anything to like take a camera. Wow, that's some stuff. That's it some was stuff. creepy. Yeah. Google it, like roaming yeah. one pump. <laughs> well, did we? We did have an episode when someone talked about like staircases, right? That go to nowhere. There's gas pumps that that have no gas. I don't know <laughs> that don't have a station. No, this is this is intriguing. All right, so I do have. Oh, please bear with me. I have this question that I ask every guest. It's absurd, but it caught on. And if I don't ask it, people ask me about it. So, all right, if you were a burrito. <laughs> What kind of burrito would you be? And sub question, do you have a favorite burrito spot that's local? And go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I I believe that I would just be the burrito that I typically get, which is, right. you know, uh, pollo asada uh, with black beans, uh, guac, and, you know, hot salsa, like hot sauce uh, in, inside of it. Uh, probably in like a 
you know, flour tortilla mm-hmm. or like, like a nice big, like flour tortilla. Um, hopefully at least a little bit of grilled, you know, on the outside, yeah. you know, so it's yeah. got like the little like flaky bits on it. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see the, the spot we'll see. Okay. People might hate me who are listening in the Bay area, but, uh, like the East Bay in my experience does not have a ton of great like spots for Mexican food. Like there's, there's, there's a couple places that are okay, but so far the best burrito spot that I've, you know, been to, uh, in the Bay area is this place called Taqueria Cancun. It's in San Francisco. So it's not local to me, like with respect to like, I can't just walk there, you know, Mm -hmm. but when I'm in the city, there's this place called Taqueria Cancun and like, I'll go to someone. That's- yeah. So you can get there. Like if I was to get on BART and then get on, get off of BART in the mission, I could walk there, but it would take me about an hour to get there, you know, nice. but within like relative walking distance to me, the closest spot is this place called uh Mont cafe or it's Taqueria Monte Cristo here in Berkeley. And they make very good mole. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll mm. give them that. Yeah. The burritos are just okay though. I mean, you'd be surprised at the crazy answers we get. Not one yeah. are the same. So yeah. it says it's very yeah. telling of people. I like yeah. it. Now we have a spot when we're on tour that we have to stop at, guys. Yeah, yeah there's a the, there's a place in San Francisco that has won like best burrito in like the country before. It's called like uh, El Favorito or La Fav- is it La Favorito or El Favorito? I can't remember not off my head. But honestly, I didn't like it. Like I didn't care for it, so I don't know why it won. I don't get the hype. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, like, to me, it was like it. way too greasy. It was like a huge like grease bomb, you know. Yeah, not and good. I just I don't prefer like my burritos to be like super yeah. greasy, you know. It's not cute. But, it's not cute. Yeah. <laughs> With you. Do I remember when Cass took us to this hole in the wall? Yeah, like San was it was so good. Yeah, I don't even know the name of it. That's not even <laughs> oh, helpful. Yeah, we were in yeah. San Francisco, and she mm-hmm. took us to some hole in the wall because yeah. our drummer is from. She's from the Bay, mm. not LA. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, this is fucking good. good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing had started out as a burrito question, but as we've gone into COVID and quarantine and things like that, like, I mean, we're in our bubble. We're the only people that see each other. We all work at home. Mm. We get tested if there's questions. So we, and we still social distance, but outside of that, you know, we don't go out much. And I think it's so important for us to still, talk about local spots because even if we're not going to restaurants we can still pick up and be fairly safe and keep some of these these places alive so thank you for club um for plugging some of those local spots so if you're in those areas or driving through get a burrito do it oh yeah i i i totally 100 agree like my wife and i we try to we try to eat out at least like twice a week and like we just take order we take food home yeah you know, and it's to support the places that we want to stick around you know Exactly. It's important. I mean, we have to nowadays, now, nowadays, we got to yeah. do it. <laughs> Andy, real quick, go ahead and uh, plug your social media where people can find your music and your label and your podcast. Sure. So uh, sell the heart records you can find uh, on Instagram, just, you know, at sell the heart records. We're on Facebook as well. I think it's just sell the heart um, or you can just type in sell the heart records. And then we do have a website, just sell the And then we're on Twitter, but I never use Twitter. Like I never learned how to use Twitter. I neither know. did. I, I don't get it weird, but um, let's see. Question. The answers podcast is also on Instagram, just QTA podcast. 
Um, you can also use QTA podcast to find it on Facebook. Um, and then every episode comes out via the bad copy website as well. So every Wednesday, at least at this point, it's every Wednesday. And then there is also the sell the heart records, YouTube channel, which you can find all the sell the heart records, um, videos that are currently up there, as well as the question, the answers podcasts, uh, episodes that are there. Uh, additionally, you can listen to question, the answers podcast on like Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, et cetera. Like, I think, I think there's like six or seven platforms that it's on right now. Nice. And then personally, if you want to follow my dumbass, you can find me at Andy Polar Bear, you know, on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, Thanks. killer name, killer handle. I'm yeah. like, I was like, I was stalking. I'm like, I'm trying to find this guy. Is it really Polar Bear? Yes. yes. My kind of people. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's P-O-H-L-A-R Bear. Polar Bear. Yeah, it's my You're so name. punny. You're so punny. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Andy, for joining us on this episode. And providing great insights and advice. <laughs> awesome. You're welcome. I'm. I, it was a pleasure to be on here. It's lovely, lovely to see all you guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, we did two years in a row. You know, at Yucca, like, wasn't that interesting? We played the same day two years in a row. Right, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I think it was the same. It was weird, like the exact same day. Really? Yep. It's on it the, the Facebook time hop. Like it shows like same. It's day. the same exact yeah. day. That's crazy. It was. Yeah. Oh, the Yucca. We missed yeah. simulation. Maybe. All right. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) All right, Annie, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Once again, thank you to Andy Pohl for joining us on this episode. Go check out Tsunami Bomb and subscribe to his podcast and smash those subscribe buttons. Remember to head over to the website SoundSistersAZ.com to read up on our guest and view pictures and videos mentioned in this episode. Go to Facebook and like us. Instagram to follow us at SoundSistersAZ. Check out our kooky sister podcast called Grave Sisters, located under the Sound Sisters platform on all streaming platforms. Check out older episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play and leave us a review. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We have new t-shirts on our merch shop over on the website, so go get one. Once again, thank you everybody who still supports the Sound Sister podcast. It really does mean everything to us. You know, on that note, this is your host, Drea Dahl, signing off with my lovely ladies, reminding you to keep your eyes on the prize, always do your best, and wash your hands. Thank you. Good night. Bye!